before I get started, I want to share what I hope you'll share with the lady who had the surgery. Was her name Sherry? July 17th, or 2000, July 17th of 2000 was my 50th birthday. And at 7.30 on that morning, I had a biopsy at Decatur Memorial Hospital. Uh, I was found to have stage 4 squamous cell carcinoma in the roof of my mouth with multiple tumors in my lymph nodes and in my neck. On the 29th of that month, I had pretty radical surgery in my mouth and on my neck, and then followed by 30-something radiation treatments. Uh, And from stage 4 cancer to today is 21 years, and I have never had any evidence of any type of cancer since then. Uh, I know that is a terrifying diagnosis and a heartbreaking word from a, a medical doctor to tell you that. But please share with her uh, that God is merciful and there are times when he chooses to deliver people from situations when uh, the medical technology is not encouraging at all. Well, it is a privilege for me to be here this morning. I am sorry that uh, pastor is not able to be here in his battle with COVID and, and now his wife uh, having this, so he may get stuck another week or two. I don't know exactly how that works. But I know you've been praying for him, and we thank God for his recovery Uh, from this. I did uh, retire 18 months ago as pastor at First Baptist Church in Atwood. Uh, Before I was there for 14 years, I was the area missionary for Southern Baptist for 16 years. And seven weeks after I retired, I was asked to come back and work for the association again. Uh, So now I am semi-retired, I guess they call that. My retirement lasted seven weeks. And I thoroughly enjoyed it, yeah, as a matter of fact. I am thankful whenever I get to speak, and I probably average twice a month or so, uh, speaking and filling in for pastors. Uh, I know it's uh, Christmas celebration coming up, and I know that um, most churches are doing a series. But when you get to preach somewhere occasionally, and I think it's been 15 years or more since I've preached here, that's pretty occasionally. You get to the point where you want to say the things you think after 40 years of ministry are some of the most important things you've ever thought to share from the Word of God. And by the way, I'm always asking God to leave thumbprints around. I love it when He reminds me through what humans would call coincidence, what I call the sovereign thumbprints of God. And so this morning, if you'll turn to Mark chapter 12, uh, you will see that my text is Mark's a report of the very same passage we started with this morning in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22. And so that's an encouraging thing to me. I consider that a thumbprint. As you began to read my text for the morning, I thought, thank you, Lord. Amen. Mark, chapter 12. I want to read 28 to 31. I'm reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he, that is, of course, Jesus, answered them well, asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your 
uh, mind and with all your strength. The second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. These are the words of the Lord. And thanks be to God for His Word. Let's pray together. Father, I have done all that I know how to do to prepare this sermon. So, Father, I ask that You will do what only You can do and empower Your Word to the benefit and the blessings of all who hear. Father, we pray that You would glorify Your Son, Jesus, in our midst today and accomplish all of Your will here today. It is for the glory of Jesus and the good of this people that I pray. Amen. I want to speak with you this morning on the subject, Why Do I Exist? And I hope you'll understand that I'm asking you to think of that same question in the very first person. Why do you? Why do I? Why does our church exist? Why do humans exist? What is the purpose that we have in life? Well, for the 6,000 years or so that human beings have lived on this earth, uh, men and women and, and, and scholars and teachers and psychologists have pondered these questions, what they call the big questions. I remember in high school we had to study introduction to psychology and we looked at these three big questions. From where did I come to where am I going and why am I here? Well, I got out of high school... I have a high school diploma. How I got it's my business. I have it actually signed by the superintendent. And so I went off to college, and in freshman year of college, you take a course called Introduction to Psychology. And, of course, they teach you the uh, ramifications of these three big questions. You know, where did I come from? Why am I here? And to where am I going? Uh, Finally, after several years, I found out if you keep paying tuition and keep paying tuition, eventually they'll hand you a sheet of paper and tell you to go away. And then I went off to seminary and had to take a course called Introduction to uh, Psychology and dealt with those same three questions. I thought that was a bit of overkill, but it dawned on me that the reason that everybody is focused on this is because everybody is focused on this. Everybody thinks this through at some point in their life. From where did I come to where am I going and why on earth? Am I here? Well, question number one and question number three are really easy. Maybe three minutes of preaching. I mean, they're really, really easy. Question number one, from where did I come? Uh, I've been stunned at how much money the government has been willing to spend, billions of dollars over the years, on all kinds of scientific inquiry and all kinds of space travel, uh, sending satellites out to all the planets. And I think we have one headed toward the sun that may get there in, you know, 80 or 90,000 years, and we'll know all the answers then. Uh, When all they have to do is go to any decent bookstore, take a $5 bill and buy a paperback copy of a Bible, open it to Genesis chapter 1, and answer all of those questions. Amen? Genesis 1, 26 and 7. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. 
in the image of God, He created him. Now, I don't mean to be so terribly radical, but I just need to read this next sentence because it's the next sentence. (laughs) Male and female, He created them. I know that not everyone believes the biblical account of creation. There are really bright people who do believe it. There are really bright people who don't believe it. But beloved, the thing that settles every issue in my life is what does the Bible say? What did Jesus believe? And according to Matthew chapter 1 or chapter 19, 3, 4, and 5, Jesus believed it. Now think about this. Verse 3, Matthew 19, 3. The Pharisees came up to Jesus and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Jesus answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So when these scholars walk up to the Creator God of the universe in human flesh, and ask Him about marriage, He immediately goes back to Genesis and quotes the Word of God. And Jesus said that He who created them from the beginning, made them male and female. I'm not going to take time, but a good study for you is, look through the New Testament, and every time the Bible says Jesus Himself was the active agent of creation. All things were made by Him, through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So, knowing from where we came is really easy. God said it, and that settles it. Now, question number three is just as easy. Much more painful, but just as easy. The question is, to where am I going? Everyone, everywhere, ever conceived of a human being is either going to heaven or they're going to hell. This is not complicated. When we repent of our sins against God and believe in the Lord Jesus as our, believe in Jesus as our Savior and Lord... We can know that we will go to heaven when we die. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. I love this passage for a lot of reasons. It's the Bible that starts it off. But this is the last sermon out of the mouth of John the Baptist. It is also the first sermon recorded in the New Testament out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus, word for word. So Jesus not only takes up the mantle and ministry of John the Baptist, but he takes up his message as well. So here's what Jesus says, Mark chapter 1, 14. After John the Baptist, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, God has promised us multiple times and in multiple ways that He will forgive the sins, change the life, and take to heaven anyone anywhere and everyone everywhere when they repent of their sins and believe in Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Now, to go to heaven, one must repent of our sins against God. (laughs) Amazingly, we hear various definitions of what repentance makes, and, and most people, certainly not Bible-believing Christians, but most of the people in the world can't tell the difference between remorse and repentance. 
Remorse is waking up on a Sunday morning hungover and broke and promising yourself, oh, never do that again. Uh, But next Friday you're feeling better and you get a paycheck and the gang's at the bar and we do the same things over and over. Feeling bad about the consequences of what we do wrong is remorse. has nothing to do with repentance. I think the best definition of biblical repentance in the Bible is found in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. I would encourage you to memorize this verse. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Repentance is made up of two parts, confession and forsaking. Confesses and forsakes. Now, the word confess is homo legeo in the Greek. Homo meaning the same. Legeo is the verb form of the word logos, which is the word for word. So when you make logos an action word, it becomes legeo. So homo legeo simply means to say the same word. Okay? So we say the same word. Confession is just not going to God and reading Him a list of stuff you've done. I don't want to shock you, but God already knows what you've done. He knows the things that we forget. Amen? God knows. And so it is not just a question, oh God, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. Homo legeo, or to confess, means to say the same word. Let me give you an absurd illustration. Anyone who knows me knows this is absurd. This is almost impossible. But let's say on the way home this morning after church, hopefully this morning still, as I head home and I get into that 40-mile-an-hour speed trap up there in the Mount Zion, <laughs> and I'm doing 50, and an officer of the law pulls me over, gives me a ticket, and I go to court, and the judge asks the police officer, why are we here? And he says, well, Your Honor, it's Sunday morning, and I was sitting at Casey's in Mount Zion, and uh, Mr. Faulkner was in a 40-mile-an-hour zone, and he came by driving 50, so I stopped him and gave him this ticket. <laughs> and then the judge, of course, would look at me and say, What say you? <laughs> That's my term. And I say, Your Honor, I, I was in a 40, <laughs> driving 50. We call that confessing, right? I just said the same word the police officer said. Are you getting this? Confession is when we say about our sin what God says about our sin. That this is sin. This is what put Jesus on the cross. This is what separates me from God. This is what hinders my Christian growth and fellowship. So, to confess means to say the same. But the Bible says, who confesses and forsakes. The the Greek word is simple there. Uh, The Greek word aphino means to abandon. Turn away from. Remorse just means I'm sorry until I feel better. But to repent means to abandon that sin, to turn away from it. You know, Martin Luther, and I love seeing the Luther rose. I don't get to see that very often in churches, especially Baptist churches. But I love it. And uh, when Luther nailed his 95 thesis that started all of this trouble, you remember what thesis number one is? When God commands... Of course, he would say commandeth. When God commands repentance, he intends a life of continual repentance. Amen? Continually confessing, continually walking away 
from sin. So to confess and to abandon sin is what it means to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, to repent. But if we do not repent of our sins against God, if we do not believe in Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we are going to go to hell. Luke 13, 3. And he repeats it word for word in verse 5. Jesus said, I tell you, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. In John eight twenty four, he told the, uh, the leaders of the Jewish synagogue, I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Now let me repeat this. God will save anyone anywhere and everyone everywhere who repents of their sins and believes in Jesus as Savior and Lord. But He will not save anyone who does not repent of their sins and does not believe in Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Let me make a point that I try to make a lot. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 The Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven. This is talking about the second advent of Christ. With His mighty angels in flaming fire. Now watch this carefully. Inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will suffer punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of God and from the glory of His might. Now listen to me carefully. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. This is the word of the Lord. It is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Beloved ones, the gospel is not merely an invitation to be considered. It is a command that must be obeyed. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, we quoted earlier, Jesus said, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And beloved, grammar matters. And in the Greek and in the English, this is an imperative sentence. It is a command. It is not a plea for consideration. Repent and believe is a command of God. So number one is really easy. Where did I come from? God made us. David tells us that we were wrought in the womb of our mothers. We were fearfully and wonderfully made. And that all of our days are written in God's book, Psalm 139, before any of them come to pass. God makes us, we are created by God and, and we are either going to go to heaven or hell depending upon whether we are willing to repent of our sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we come to question number two, which is the rest of the message. Why do I exist? I think this is the most important question I ever settled for myself. And once I settled it for myself, I started sharing it with churches at every opportunity, and that's why you're hearing this this morning. God has blessed me, and your pastor has invited me for this opportunity, so I want to share with you what I think is vitally important. Why do you exist? Why do you, as an individual human being, why do you, as 
part of Fellowship Baptist Church. Why do we exist? You ready? We exist to live out the great commandments and carry out the great commission by loving God, loving people, and sharing the good news. Period. That sounds like a church mission statement. It is the church mission statement of the First Baptist Church in Atwood, Illinois. And we read that together every Sunday that we're there. We exist to live out the great commandments, carry out the great commission by loving God, loving people, sharing the good news. A few months ago, and then also about ten years ago, I had the opportunity to address a room full of Baptist preachers and church leaders, and I preached on this subject. (laughs) Knowing what to do is really easy, but doing what we know is really hard. It's a lot easier to know what's right than it is to do what's right. Amen? So we have these two things, just two things, living out the great commandments, carrying out the great commission, just two things. That's why we exist. That's why we were conceived. That's why we were born. That's why we were saved. That's why we've been preserved unto this day. That is why you are here in this world, and that's why you are here as part of this church, to carry out, to live out the great commandments and carry out the Great Commission. Just two things, but two really big things. Look at our text in Mark chapter 12. We exist to live out the Great Commandments. Okay, how? Number one, by loving God. I love that this is Love Sunday in the Advent cycle. Love God. Mark twelve twenty eight. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, saying that Jesus answered them well, asked him, which is the, uh, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus, quoting uh, the Shema, says, uh, "The most important is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one." I love to quote that in Hebrew, but the truth is, it's the only verse in Hebrew I still remember. It's been a long time since seminary. The Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is like this, is, is this, you shall love your neighbors yourself. There is no greater commandment than these, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. So, what and how? What? We are to love God. It's the first and greatest commandment. We are to love the Lord your God. Okay? How do I do that? Jesus tells us four ways. With all of your heart. All of your heart. We know that when the Bible speaks of the heart, both in Hebrew and Greek, it is not talking about our blood pump. It is talking about our passion. It is talking about the seed of our emotion. We know that love is a a passion that we have, it is a capability that we have, it is part of the human psyche, it is part of ourself, it is part of being human. Uh, we have things that we love, and we love things very differently. You know, I tell people all the time, I, here we go, I have six grandchildren and one great-grandson, and I love them. I love my two sons, and I love my daughter, and I love my uh, uh, son-in-law, my daughter's-in-law, and... But I also love biscuits and gravy. Someone told me, never deny the obvious. Amen. I mean, I love biscuits and gravy. So, the way we use love means a hundred different things. So, what does God mean? He says, with all of your 
passion. Supremely, ultimately, passionately love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart. There's probably no commandment in the Bible I break more often and more consistently than that. To love God, not just to love Him. You know, we have family and friends and people we love and we care about and we're glad to hear from them now and then. And we're glad when they come over and we're glad when they go back. But not God. Breathless, passionate, fanatical love. Secondly, with all your soul. Suke. Where we get the word psychology, the study of the soul. What in the world does it mean? Listen, it means our being. You got this. You know this. You are a person that lives inside your earth suit. Amen? Uh, My son-in-law, who's a detective in Decatur, has a twin brother. And I mean a twin brother. And when my daughter first started dating him, he, he was a patrol officer then in Decatur, And I am telling you, when I saw him walking and I was going to say hi, I had to look at the badge to see if it was Tim or Andy. Now, that's how alike they are. But listen to me carefully. If you were a twin, some of you may be or you may have twins, and you were so identical that your parents could not tell you apart, you're still two different people, right? Because you are the you that lives inside your body that may look exactly like somebody else's body. But that part of you that lives inside this earth suit is your being. It's your soul. It's who you really are. And you, yourself, are to love God completely with all of your soul. And then, by the way, commercial's free. Here's the verse that makes me a Baptist. We're to love God with all of our mind. Hello. We're to worship God, love God, and serve God with our mind. I don't want to be part of a church where I have to hang my mind at the door and just take my emotions inside. Amen? I get excited and I get happy and sometimes I shout and sometimes I cry. And I used to run when I could now and then. It's been a while. But I don't want to check my brain at the door. I want to be taught the Word of God. I want to know what a sentence structure is. I want to know what the subject is and who's speaking and who they're speaking to. And what in the world does that mean to me? On the fifth day of December in 2021, Mount Zion, Illinois, what in the world does that I want to serve God with my mind. That's why he says study. Be diligent to study and show yourself approved unto God. Workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Any Awana people here? Amen. But you've heard that verse before. And then with all of our strength. There we go. I'm just too tired. I'm just too tired. Well, I know that feeling. And I'm from East Kentucky in the Appalachian Highlands. And they told us there the way you know you're called to preach. (laughs) Wake up. Craving biscuits and chicken and too hungry and too tired to go to work. Amen? Listen, we know about strength. And how are we to love God? With all of our strength. I don't think I've ever done anything in my life. Well, maybe running from a bully once in a while, but very few things I've done with all of my strength. But that's how we love God. Do you get all these superlatives? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. So, why do we exist? We exist to carry out the great commandments. And one of the great commandments, love the Lord your God. 
And then, the second is this, verse 31, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Deuteronomy 19, 18. And I've heard all the neighbor jokes. You know, when the Lord wrote that, He hadn't met my neighbor. I thank God for wonderful neighbors. But we know what God means by that. And how are we to love our neighbors? As we love ourselves. Nobody has ever loved me besides Jesus the way that I love me. I don't spend money on anybody like I spend money on me. Even my grandkids. And I spend most of my retirement on my grandkids. Amen? So do you. Don't laugh. We love ourselves. We care for ourselves. We do everything we can to meet our needs. So who is our neighbor? Well, I believe it's clear that there's only three kinds of people as far as neighbor in the world. First of all, of course, is our brothers and sisters in Christ. Some percentage of the population, our Southern Baptist Convention with our 50-some thousand churches and all of our billions of dollars do all kinds of research. And we believe in the central United States, in the Midwest we would call it here, about 30% of the people have a real and living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But whatever that number is, we are commanded to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. 1 John three fourteen. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We are commanded to love each other. That'll preach in a church. And I think that includes we even have to like each other. Now, there are other kinds of people. Another kind would be our enemies. There are people who are determined to stamp Christianity out and to get rid of these pesky people who believe the Bible. We live in a country where we've been blessed with the free opportunity of worship, and we see that going away right before our eyes. We see a new dark age coming right before our eyes across the Western Hemisphere and across the Western civilizations today. But for the past and for now, we have freedoms and we have people who don't like those freedoms and want to stand against us. We may have personal enemies, maybe because they're jealous of you at work and they would like to get you in trouble so they could have your position. Or maybe it's someone in the family. But someone despises us. Listen to what Jesus says. In Matthew 5, 43, You have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's not out of the Old Testament, by the way. That's out of the Jewish uh, Talmud, the writings of the uh, scribes, that, that kind of like a commentary on the Bible. But I say to you, yeah, there it is. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. And by the way, let me remind you of this. Those who hate us, are not our enemies. They are the hostages of our enemies. And our job is not to destroy the hostages, but to rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin in the grave. Weep or the erring one and lift up the fallen and tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. Thank you, P.P. Bliss. Listen. We have an enemy, and his name is Satan, and he has demons, and he has legions of people who are doing his bidding, some knowingly, Many unknowingly. 
So we have people who love us, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we have our enemies. What about everybody else? Well, they're described as our neighbor, everyone who is neither our brother or sister in the Lord. And, but they're not our enemy. is described as our neighbor, and we are commanded to love them. Mark twelve thirty one. the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor the way you love yourself. We exist to live out the great commandments by loving God, loving people, and sharing the good news. So secondly, we not only exist to live out the great commandments... But secondly, we exist to carry out the Great Commission. That's why we're here. I've heard this probably a hundred different times from a hundred different preachers. But of all the ways God could have chosen to evangelize the world, it appears that He has chosen the least productive. For a saved sinner to tell an unsaved sinner how that saved sinner became a saved sinner. That's it. Now, in in the tribulation, there'll be an angel flying around in heaven for three and a half years proclaiming the gospel. Hallelujah. Uh, We're not there. And by the grace of God, I don't believe we're going to be there. But listen to me carefully. We exist to carry out the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, one of the best known passages in the Bible. Jesus came, said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. One main verb. Make disciples. How do we do that? Going, baptizing, and teaching. That's it. Most evangelical churches have been built on that premise and on these verses for the whole history of the Christian church. We are to go and make disciples, and we do that by going. We do that by baptizing, and we do that by teaching them to obey everything the Lord has commanded us. So, why do we exist? We exist to live out the great commandments. By loving God, loving people, and by sharing the good news. And we exist to carry out the Great Commission. Now, let me close with this. We have good news to share. We have good news in a bad news world. Amen? We have good news. You know, we worked on, worked on, we came up with this mission statement. We exist to live out the or to yeah, live out the great commandments and carry out the great commission by loving God, loving people, and sharing the good news. And it bugged me my whole life that so few people share the good news. And so I began to pray and I began to study and I began to work, and I'm not gonna I'll leave the judgment to you on how effective this is, but I've always wanted to be able to share the gospel with somebody in thirty seconds. I think someone said 27 words, whatever it is, more than that. And so we came up with this, and we recite this every morning at Atwood, every Sunday morning. So listen to this carefully. Here's the good news. 30 seconds. You're at a gas station. You just have a minute. Someone asks you a question. You don't have... 
Here you go. You ready? I think this is the whole gospel in 30 seconds. In spite of the fact that we have all sinned against Him, God loves us, sent His Son Jesus to pay for our sins on the cross. When we repent of our sins and believe in Jesus as our Savior and Lord, God will forgive our sins, change our life, take us to heaven when we die. That's it. Now, you can break that apart, and I've done that in several sermons and take all day. But that's the summation, in spite of the fact that we have all sinned against Him. God loves us. And He sent His Son Jesus to pay for our sins on the cross. When we repent of our sins and believe in Jesus as our Savior and Lord, God will forgive our sins, change our life, take us to heaven when we die. The other day I was on the computer on Facebook. The church in Atwood is next door to the elementary school, and we will run 100 children in our children's ministry, about 40 or 50 in our youth ministry. And we have eight teachers, I think, uh, seven teachers, and, and, and the secretary, <laughs> our worship leader's daughter-in-law is the secretary. So we've, we've really tried to, you know, our theme over there is God blesses a church that blesses children. And we've kind of, instead of having children's church, we've kind of become a children's church. But the other day, a six-year-old was videotaped standing in the hallway, and he said this, in spite of the fact that we've all sinned against him, God loves us, sent his son Jesus to pay for our sins on the cross. When we repent of our sins and believe in Jesus, our Savior and Lord, God will forgive our sins, change our life, take us to heaven when we die. Did he understand all that? I doubt it bright kid. Let me tell you, those who hear it understand it. Why do we exist? Why is this church here? Why has God spared us? To live out the great commandments, carry out the great commission by loving God, loving people, sharing the good news. And boy, do we have good news to share. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity uh, to be here today. Thank you for my dear friend, Pastor Cliff, and I pray for his wife, for her healing, and God, for their complete recovery. I pray for the blessing and safety and protection of all of this congregation and all of their families represented here. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to share with them what your word says about why we exist. Father, help that to matter to me and to us. God, help us to learn how to love you with all of our heart and all of our soul, all of our mind and all of our strength. And God, help us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Those who hate us, those who could care less, those who hate you. So, Father, we thank you for the Christmas season. We know that more people are more serious about the things of God during Christmas than any time in the year. More people will be in church on Christmas than on Easter. We know that this is the season when people are going to be singing about Jesus who don't even believe He's real. So, Father, take Your Word, take our ministry, our efforts, and speak to the hearts and minds of unsaved people. Father, we pray for the salvation of the lost, for the healing of those who are hurting, for the spiritual growth of all of us. 
And Father, we ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.